Yo, 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 what's good? It's your boy Roy Matz from Bali. It's raining like crazy right now. And on Sync Gems, today we have Jake Diak. Jake Diak is a producer, an in house producer for Ghostwriter Music. I'm not even gonna start uh, getting into his placements because it's ridiculous. Just go into his site and, and have a look. Sony, Marvel, all these companies, hundreds of TV placements. This guy is legit. He also makes sample packs and talks about the importance of having income from other things aside from only composing and doing one thing that you are good at. We talk about efficiency. We talk about label shopping. We talk about red flags when label shopping, which is so important. We talk about custom work versus album work. And to be honest, Jake drops gems till the end of the episode. He is really, really great at what he does. So listen to what he has to say, take your notes, and support this podcast by leaving a five-star rating and a review. It really helps push the podcast forward into more and more ears and helps me to know that I'm making a difference and that this podcast actually means a lot to people. And without further ado, my man, Jake Diak. Jake Diak in the house. How are you doing, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. It's it's a morning here in Bali, and I am, and it is evening, evening or afternoon, late afternoon in LA. Uh, it's five o'clock. It's pretty close to either. Sick, so. sick. Tell me, tell me, Jake, about you. I've I've stumbled across uh, across your stuff in a trailer group. And then I, I looked into your tutorials and you are legit. Like, you know what you're doing. And well, your that. music is your music is in places that I really love, as we already discussed. And I want you to talk about your journey in music and what brought you to your fascination with sound design. What brought you to, to what has shaped Jake Diok? Well, um, I started kind of music. I started playing in, uh, when I graduated high school, I started playing in a band. Um, I played with them and toured on and off for four years. It was pop rock type stuff, but I wrote all the, most of the music for the group. Um, so then I decided after about four years of doing that, I decided that I wanted to go to school for, for songwriting. Um, but then when I got to school, I decided, you know, I, I liked film scoring a little bit more. I took a class in film scoring and I was like, this is awesome. I really like, you know, how you get to work with a film and work to picture and, and do all the different things that film scoring requires, you know, going to different moods and doing underscore and, you know, uh, fanfare pieces and all these cool different things you get to do with film scoring. Um, and then I 
about halfway through school, I discovered trailer music and I was like, oh, this stuff's awesome. You get to use like all this cool, like sound design type stuff and risers and big hits and all this cool stuff. I like that. You know, I like that stuff. And so then I started, you know, trying my hand at writing in a couple tracks. I got ended up getting on, you know, a really star, a small starter label um, called Amadea Music. And, you know, I just started my career there. I, I did an album for them. And then, you know, I was able to shop that album to other labels, you know, bigger labels. And, and that's what kind of brought me to where I am today, you know, so... So take me take me through the timeline because you went through it really quick, and so you started by touring. You went to uh, film scoring and you studied that. That was how long ago? Well, um, I started at the. I went to the the Berkeley College of Music. Um, I got in in twenty seventeen is when I started, um, and so my when I started at at Berkeley, I was a uh, a songwriting major and so for the first year I took like all songwriting you know course load and so then after you know I ended up taking as an elective you know on a whim uh, a film scoring class you know and and when I took that introduction to film scoring I was like man I love this mm. you know this is awesome you know writing to to film and you know I love movies and stuff and so it was perfect you know I was like oh man this is, this is, I think this is the right fit for me, you know? And so that's kind of how I started working to like cinematic type, type music, you know? And then once I was doing that for a while, I heard trailer music and how, how awesome it was, you know, the big whole hits and the risers and downers and all these cool sound design elements that you get to use Brahms and, and pings and signals and alarms and all these cool things that, you know, we know about in the industry. Um, that stuff really appealed to me, you know, making that stuff from scratch and figuring out like how all that stuff worked was, was really appealing to me. Mm. So from you starting to, to find out and get your footing in, in trailer music, how, how long was it from that till you started, uh, till you started getting placements? Um, well, for, for when I started writing for Amadea, um, it was probably about six months after my first release, a full-length album, a solo album that I did for them before I started to see um, TV placements. I started to get a few random TV placements. Um, Amadea has a pretty good presence in Australia. Um, so I started to get a bunch of TV placements for, from them. Uh, Big Brother... Uh, uh, Australian Ninja Warrior, uh, Beauty and the Geek, all, all a bunch of different Australian shows that are, a lot of them are offshoots of American shows, you know? Um, but yeah, I got a bunch of placements over there. And then um, once I, I just continued to, you know, thankfully climb the ladder, you know, I just worked with Amadea and then I got on a slightly bigger label that, you know, gets, you know, pretty regular trailer placements. And then before, you know, and then now, thankfully, I work for, you know, Ghost Rider Music. And, you know, we get trailer placements every single day. A different writer does, you know. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where I am right now. And thankfully, I get to do custom work, 
with Ghost Rider, um, which custom work is, you know, completely different from from album work, obviously. Um, album work, you're you're putting all these tracks together under one theme, you know, whatever it might be, you know, uh, epic orchestral or or vocal horror music or whatever the, it might be. Um, and, you know, you put out a, an album of 10 tracks or whatever, and that's your album. But for custom music, it's it's different. You're working for a specific trailer. You know, you get a brief for it, and it, it gives you specific instructions as far as, like, how long they want it to be, uh, what uh, what type of music they want it to, to go to, as far as, like, the, what do they want the intro? Is it a trailerization? Which a trailerization is making a, a trailer track out of a popular music track, you know, maybe like a Britney Spears track or a, or a, any kind of track, you know, a Van Halen track, whatever. You're taking that, that track and you're turning it into a trailer track. We call that trailerizing a track. Um, that's, uh, that's really common nowadays, is taking a track and trailerizing it. So I would say about 50% of the customs that I get from Ghost Rider are trailerizing different tracks, you know, um, trailerizing, you know, Black Sabbath. You know, I did that one recently, trailerizing like an Eminem track. I did that also recently. You know, these these are common things that take place in the trailer industry. So customs are a completely different game than, than uh, album work. But I enjoy both, you know, they're just both completely different things. But thankfully, you know, that's where I am right now that I get to do you know, albums for all these different labels. And, you know, thankfully when the customs come in, I get to work on those. So it's a lot of fun, both of them. When you talk about trailer and placing trailers, you've had trailers placed, right? Do you get, do you get an immediate uh, message when that happens? Because I know in the, in the ad space, you mostly have to, figure it out yourself let's just say it that way not in uh, in the ads slash tv you got to figure it out but in trailers it's a bit different isn't it it is it is thankfully with trailers you kind of know ahead of time most of the time um that uh the track has been placed you you working with a producer um most of the time myself i'm working with brian nguyen from ghost rider um, and you work with him and he, you know, sometimes you'll be doing revisions for the track that they'll send back and forth, you know, you, so you know that they're editing with your track, you know what I mean? It's not just out of the blue most of the time, you know, you're, you know, that they're, uh, they're working with your track, they're editing it, they're working with it actually in the trailer, you know, they're asking for stuff. Most of the time, your producer will be able to tell you that kind of stuff. So it's not a huge surprise when, when you get the actual finished placement. But every once in a while, there is some kind of surprise where it's like, oh, my track was used in, in this trailer. Cool. Awesome. You know, the, those are what people generally call like uh, uh, late late placements. You know, I, I, got an, I got notice of this very late, you know, late notice of it. So. Mm. Yeah, there are so many questions that that pop into my mind from that. But I want to uh I want to go back to trailerization and it's a really cool thing to touch on because let's say you are trailerizing Eminem. Yeah. How does that work? So basically 
hopefully you the whatever the the music uh, the trailer house is that you're working with. Hopefully they have stems, you know, for it. Um, separation stems are obviously separation of all the tracks. So you're going to have like all the drum tracks on one stem and all the, all the bass tracks and all the, you know, all the vocal tracks on one stem. Hopefully that's the case where you have those separated, but you know, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes you have to download the track on your own and just use that original track. So you don't have separation. You know, so you, you either have to use a section in its whole entirety or you have to not use it at all. You know, so sometimes you're having to remake the original elements from the track yourself because you don't have the separation of the different, you know, individual instrumentation. Um, sometimes you do. And that's the that's the those are, you know, the good ones. Um, that's when you have like complete freedom. You can just use the. You can just use the the drums from one part, or you can just use the snare or the I'm sorry, the the bass or whatever you want to use. You know, you can just take snippets out of it. So generally the way you want to start is you want to start with a small portion of the track. You know, you don't want to introduce the entire track uh, recognizably right from the beginning. You know what I mean? You want to start off with a small element from the track, maybe just the drums or maybe just the bass or maybe depending on what the instrumentation is, maybe just the violin or the string section or whatever. And then in your act two, you introduce a little bit more of it. And then your act three, you finally play the chorus in its entirety. You know what I mean? Um, that's where you kind of unveil that, oh, yes, this has been a trailerization of, of this cool track of this Pink Floyd track. Like, for example, I did a Pink Floyd one. Um, I did Eclipse for um, for the Dune movie. Um, th that movie, that trailer, it continued to just increase with the number of elements until it got to the, cli uh, the climax where it finally had the full vocals, you know, playing. Um, that's kind of what trailerizations generally do, you know. You're using little snippets of it. Um, it gets a lot more difficult when you don't have the stems. You have to you have to remake those elements yourself most of the time, you know. So you know you remake just the drums and you introduce just the drums in the beginning, and you remake you know the bass line or whatever it might be, the guitars or whatever. That, that's a common thing too. So, but it's a lot easier for us when we have everything separated, you know. But that's not always the case, unfortunately. So a lot of the time we just have to use the entire track and it gets a little bit difficult, you know, when you're you know, trying to snip up things and you don't have the bass separated from the drums, separated from the guitar, separated from the vocals, you know. There's ways you can do it yourself, um, like Cubase has a spectral analysis type plugin and stuff like that, but uh, it's just a lot easier when we get like the full thing, you know, and separated. So, hmm. Another cool thing that pops up as as you're talking, and I'm going back and forth here because that's just how I roll. But you, oh, it's all good, man. Yeah, but you were you were talking to to teamwork, and yeah. to me, right now in the place that I'm in, that's the biggest that's the biggest motivator for me. 
I mean, yeah. it's really cool to get passive income from labels and see it in the PRO. That's passive income. That's dope. And I'm not, uh, I'm not going to shit on it for everyone. But there is something about human connection where a label owner tells me, hey, man, this is the best song I've heard this year. And I want to work with you on it is way, way different than working on something and then getting the getting the back end from it. Like really customizing something with a team is so improving and so uh, um and, and and there's so much room to grow there. How was it? What was it like for you? The the teamwork aspect the community aspect how did you how did you grow to who you are through that lens well you know that's a big part of it you know because um the people that i've worked with at my different labels with your with all your revisions you're getting better each time you know what i mean um, you're learning things like, oh, you should do this here. Oh, I didn't even think of that. You know, yeah, you're totally right. This section should have this or this section shouldn't have this here. You know what I mean? And so working with like the pros in the industry, you know, the, the producers, you know, or even your fellow like composers, like I'm working on, um, I just finished an album with, uh, my friend Grant, Grant Borland. Uh, he's a composer for Ghostwriter as well. I finished an album recently with um, David Butler. He's another composer for Ghostwriter. And so when you're working with these people, you're learning from them. You're you're kind of sponging off them the whole time. You're like, oh, man, this was cool what you did here. Or I didn't even think of that. Or, you know, you're you have to just constantly be accepting of of like this knowledge from other people, because if you're closed off to that and thinking like, you have everything figured out yourself and you're doing everything right. Like you're never going to get better. You know what I mean? Like you have to continue to be like accepting of all this, like these people that have maybe been doing it longer than you and maybe have a little bit more experience, you know, and, and maybe they do things a little bit different than you. You know, we all kind of like get into our, uh, our own states of like doing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, and and hearing other people's stuff, especially if it's mixed with your stuff, like maybe you're doing half a track and you send it to your your co-writer and he's doing the other half a track. You know, you're hearing like what he brings to the table as well as your stuff. You know, it it it, uh, it just totally it, it brings you a whole new learning experience hearing this every time, you know, especially working on a full album with somebody you're like oh man, like that's a cool idea. Like I didn't even think about doing that, you know? Were there mistakes you made coming up? I did. I did. Um, I made some mistakes. The uh, One of the big mistakes was not being organized. You know, um, I've had entire, you know, I've had albums where like there's been like two tracks that like when it comes time to send stems in, you know, they're finished. I just don't, I can't find them, you know, can't find the, the original project file, like Cubase file or whatever. Like that's happened a couple times. And so that's one thing that I've really had to shore up on is my, my organization, my naming conventions and stuff. That's all super important when you're doing like a track every day, kind of a thing, you know, like 
you have to always like have a drive where you keep all this stuff saved. You, you don't just save it under random names. Like it all has to be saved under like the label name and et cetera. It just, it, it, it saves you so much time in the long run. I, I've had albums where there's like two or three tracks that like I've had finished and I just had to write an entire different track, you know, oh because God. I couldn't find that project file or the project file uh, didn't have certain audio files saved along with it, stuff like that. So that's, that's one major mistake I've made. Um, a lot of, another mistake that I've made has been like trusting people that don't necessarily, um, that I necessarily shouldn't have trusted, you know, people that weren't, um, people that kind of within the industry weren't looked on super well. And so making sure that like I'm associated with the right people and stuff has been a big part of that. Like you start to learn like, Oh, th this label, like they're not run by the best people or this label they're, they're run by awesome people. Like they contribute to charity and they do all this cool stuff for the, for the industry and stuff like that. Like that's the kind of label that I want to be associated with. Like not labels that like, make you jump through all these hoops or, or kind of represent n negative things that you don't want to be associated with. Like you need to find a label or labels that you kind of fit with. Well, that fits with you, you know? Hmm. That's huge. And actually I've talked to Grant about it and he, he presented some really great, uh, red flags. Do you have any red flags for, uh, approaching labels or talking to people who you want to work with? Do you have a methodology in figuring out who it is you want to work with? I mean, you follow all the labels on the, on the social networks, you know, and you see what they post, you know what I mean? Um, Ghost Rider, for example, we, we uh, donate to a different charity every month. You know what I mean? Like that's right off the bat, like something that I want to be involved with, you know, Gothic storm is also a label that really gives back to the community, like things like that. Like that's the kind of label that I want to be involved with, not uh, a label that doesn't do any of that. And, and is just constantly posting about their accomplishments or whatever like that. Um, and, and you also get a, get a gist of this when you're working with, working with the producers of the label you know some producers are, are cool and some producers are just jerks you know and so that's just something you have to learn from experience you know working with the label if you send your track your track there and they're a complete jerk about it about you know parts that you need revised or whatever then maybe don't work with them in the future but if if there's somebody that's super you know available they're ready to help you they're really you know, positive about your track. Like that's the kind of label that you want to gravitate towards, you know? Yes. A hundred percent. I can say, uh, I've experienced both sides of the, of the coin. Um, and it's just, it just, it's amplified when, you know, when, when, when you work with people who aren't, um, how do I present it? Aren't ethically aligned? Yeah. And then people who are excited about what you do. I've just uh, I've just finished uh, an ad campaign for for um, 
for a company that uh, I do sonic branding for. And the way that we interact is he, the, 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 um, the producer goes to the, once I gave it, I give him a first draft, he goes into, uh, calls in a meeting, the group, bumps the music for them, see how they react and gets, gets back at me immediately. I love yeah, that. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. You know, like it gives me goosebumps talking about it because you see, you see how, um, how people are so pumped about what, what, what I do. And yeah. it's so important, especially uh, in a world where, you know, people are mostly in their studios. Yeah. So to me, that's, that's a huge, what you're saying is huge. And I wanted, yeah, I just want to double click and say that looking for things with, with a cause, are you a part of the problem or are you a part of a solution is an amazing outlook. I still haven't had an interview where somebody said something like that. So that really gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to feel like you're, you're not important, you know, or like your music is just like an afterthought. You know what I mean? Like you put a lot of work into all this stuff. You know what I mean? You spent hours on this stuff. Like if, if they can't give you the time of day, move on to a different label. Like you don't want to work with them. You know what I mean? You want to work with the label that's like, oh man, this was cool right here, except maybe just change this little part right here. Like they're working with you. They're positive about it. You know, they're not just like, come on, man. You know, they're, they're not mm -hmm. just like a, a big league in you, you know, thinking mm -hmm. that they're like, they've got, a, they've got all these writers. What do they need with you? You know, you don't want, you don't want to feel that, you know? So yeah, man. Good on you. Like, that's amazing. That's an, an amazing feature for a person. And, and I mean, that only, it, it only attests to, to who you are as a person. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah. If you had to describe your production style in three words, what would they be? In three words. Um, Sound design, bigger. <laughs> hey, <laughs> let's see. I honestly don't know, man. You you stumped me on that one. I don't know. I mean, I I I stick with my template a lot. You know what I mean? Like, so I've like. I've really worked out my template where like, it's got all these stuff that like I normally use already loaded into the template. You know what I mean? So I, I just activate it and drag it over. You know, I don't have to like audition all these files in my, in my, you know, finder, you know, inside of, you know, my computer, it's just already loaded in there. You know, it saves me a lot of time. Um, and I learned that from a fellow composer. Um, but so I guess like prepared is another mm. word that I, I use, like sound design prepared, um, bigger. Uh, bigger. Yeah. Those are three words that I guess you could, because the, uh, labels always come back and they say like, we want this section bigger, you know, or we want this section. Like that's a common thing in trailer music. And it's like, if you're already at zero DB, it's like, 
what am I, you know, what am I supposed to do? Oh, well, I'll lower the, the prior sections, you know, mm. in, in DB. Mm. Um, but yeah, like being prepared, like making sure like your session is ready to go. Like it's, you already got like your hits in there that you normally use and there's already EQ on them, how you already want them. And there's already compression on there, how you already want it. You know what I mean? And then you, and once you've got all that in there, like I've got all my sounds in the negative space, like all the sounds that I normally use, you know, all my Brahms, all my alarms, all my drones, risers, hits, etc. All those are at negative 15, you know? And then when I need those, I just d activate the track, audition it, make sure that's the one I want, copy it over. Then I've already got it, you know, ready to go. You know, I've, I've even got it already on the grid. That way I just drag it over and it's already on the grid. You know, mm. that way you're saving time like left and right. You know, you don't have to go into your finder and audition the file and say, no, I don't want this one. Let's go to the next one. No, I don't want this one. Let's go to the next one. I've already got the ones that I normally use in there, you know you're saving yourself like 10 minutes, you know, mm. at least doing it that way, you know? So especially when you're pulling in like a hundred audio files for one project, you know, that's, that's like tons of time that you're like going in there to your finder, going into keep forest, going into the wave folder, you mm. know, finding the sound that you want, you know, mm. and that all takes like tons of time. If you've already got that all in your, in your project already, you're good. Like you could bust out customs in a couple hours that way, you know, as mm. opposed to like taking like a full day for a custom, you know? Damn. How do you uh, divide your time between being completely creative, sound design, doing all these things to organization? Like how do you balance practicality and creativity? Well, um, for a lot of the albums that I do, I like to create like a sound pack to go with them. Um, so like I'll create a, a series of sounds like me and my uh, and Grant Borland. We just did an album together uh, and we have a completely original sound pack to go with it that we're going to be uh, selling soon. Um that's gonna and those are all original sounds that we used on the album it's a horror album so there's a lot of like ticks and screams and violin different you know uh string sound effects it's it's all original sound design and it's like 200 or 300 sounds um and so that kind of you kind of cover both bases with that if you're if you're making original sound design you just keep it all in one folder and then by the end of it, you've got like a bunch of original sounds that you could, you know, hopefully sell, and make some, you know, side income that way. You know, that's a that's a common thing, you know, uh, making because you're not always getting like uh, trailer trailer opportunities come in every single day. You know, at least I'm not, you know, um, the, the people far, a little bit farther along in the game than me are. You know, they're getting custom opportunities every single day. But me, I don't I don't get that. I get one every couple of weeks. You know, I'm working on album work in between there, you know. So I need some, a, some couple sources of side income, 
you know? So what I do is I teach, um, I teach trailer music. I've got eight students that I teach during the week. Um, and I teach them everything from sound design to composition, mixing, music theory, we cover all that stuff. Um, and, but you know, when you get the opportunity to work on a custom or something like that, you obviously have that be precedent, but you know, you got to have sources of side income and making, you know, if you're a decent sound designer, you know, making sound design packs is a great way to do that. You know, just sell them, you know, 20, 20 to 30 bucks a pack, you know, a couple hundred sounds, people will buy those, you know, especially if they're, if they're good, you know, so get, you know, practicing on sound design, you know, uh, try to make like the one of some of the easiest stuff to make is risers and downers, you know, because it's really just a pitch shift going down with the synth, you know, with a little bit of distortion on it, you layer some different stuff in there, you can even do some stutters in there. That kind of stuff can, can bring you some side income if you put together a decent set of them. So just spending some time and, and then you can use them yourself too and in your tracks and you've got original sound design that doesn't sound like anybody else's, you know? So, um, and I've got a bunch of videos online um, that have tutorials for that kind of stuff, show you how to make your own um, risers, show you how to make your own downers and broms and stuff like that. So check those out and you could totally start on doing your own sound design packs and stuff like that. And, you know, sell them for a handful of money and you can get yourself some good side income that way. Mm. And that applies not only for for trailer music, it, it applies for every genre, uh, the way that I see it, you know, like there people yeah. are looking right now, there are tens of thousands of not if not if not hundreds of thousands of people looking for sounds actively right now. I'm sure about yeah. it. Um yeah. They go to Splice or they go to whatever, but now I mean, yeah, Splice, yeah. But now you want to support your boy. You go, you go to his uh, uh, sound pack, and you can support him. So that's something you have ignited something in me because I have so many sounds that I have not uh, done anything with. Yeah, so, there you go. Make a sound pack out of them. They just kind of have to be along a certain theme. You know yeah. what I mean? Like me and Grants are, because our, our album was a vocal horror album, you know? So most of the stuff is like screams and, and grunts and whispers and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of string sound effects, uh, extended technique stuff. So yeah, it, it, you just kind of come up with a theme and then design a sound pack around that, you know? And if you're already coming up with your own original sounds for tracks, save them all in in one, you know, folder and get yourself a sound pack going on, you know? Mm. All right, man. You, you, you packed us with gems here. So I'm, I'm, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, before we, we sign off, I wanna, I wanna ask you, what is your main, if you had to give one last piece of advice for, Anyone who will be looking at this, composers, aspiring, people who are trying to to make it, to get to your, let's say, to the place that you're at, what piece of advice would you give these people? Stick with it. You know, don't, don't give up because it gets pretty tough in certain spots. You know, um, 
it takes a while before you actually start to get like decent placements, you know, where you're going to be getting a decent amount of money for them, you know, um, uh, especially TV wise, like TV placements don't pay that huge, you know, um, the trailer placements are where you make your money, you know, um, but you got to continue to prove yourself and continue to prove that the labels can trust you that you're going to finish on time that you're going to that you're going to write a quality track that that has a decent chance of finishing you know um you got to just stick with it because th- there's points where you're not going to be getting placements you know for months and then all of a sudden you get one like for me I, I didn't get pla- placements for months and then all of a sudden I, I got one for for venom um let there be carnage you know a, a marvel movie a sony movie you know, and then a few months went by and then I got another opportunity to do uh, a Naomi Watts movie called um, The Desperate Hour. And that that was another opportunity. And then uh, another few months went by and then I got an opportunity to do an Apple TV placement, you know, for for a, a great chunk of money. And so that kind of stuff, is, you just got to be patient. You just got to not give up, you know, because it's it's it has its ups and downs for sure. Like you're going to have spots where you're not going to be making money and you're going to have to be getting a side gig, you know, but just stick with it. You just keep banging out tracks. And before you know it, you have, you've got tons of tracks out there and you, these, these placements just start trickling in quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. You know, uh, the more tracks you have out there, the, the more regular they're going to come in. You know, if you're if you just think you're gonna do a, an one album and get regular placements from it, that's not gonna happen. You know, you you need to do several albums. You know, with different labels. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, do different uh, do albums for different labels, and before you know it, you'll start having you know track uh, placements trickle in. And then, you know, all of a sudden you'll get a big trailer one, a big trailer one here, a big trailer one there, you know? So that's kind of how it works. You, it's not a regular thing, you know, except for the people that have been working in this industry for like 10, 15 years, you know, then they're at the point where they're getting like trailer placement every week, you know, or every couple of days, you know, and that's what we all strive to be toward, to, to uh, shoot towards, you know, but, you know, it's going to start off slow. So just stick with it. It's going to take years and years before you get to the spot where you're getting, you know, $10,000 placements, $20,000 placements every day. You know, it's it's going to be a, a while before that. So just bear in there and, and you can, you know, you get there eventually. So. Yeah. That's so much, so many, so many great things that you've said here. I want to leave it with that. I want to leave people with that, um, with something to think about. And that's a great point, in my opinion. Where can people find you online? Um, uh, just my website. You can just go to jakedioc.com. Um, uh, Dioc is spelled D-I-J-A-K. So jakedioc.com. And you can see like uh, my previous placements. You know, uh, a lot of my music is on there posted too. You can get in contact with me if you want to take lessons with me or anything like that. So hit him up while he's still available. Um, and yeah, I, I just wanna, I just wanna acknowledge you for coming on and making making the time to be here and 
And yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. No problem. I, I It was a lot of fun. Yo, so it's been four months since this episode has been recorded. Since then, Jake has been killing it. Absolutely. I see him scoring so many placements and I'm really happy for him. And also, he was kind enough to give Sync Gems listeners a 10% discount on all the sample packs. Just type in Sync Gems 10 in checkout and you will get a 10% discount. Anyway, if you want to support this podcast, go ahead and give it a five-star rating and a review with a few ways this podcast has helped you in your life and on your journey. This will really help more people see the podcast and for me to get more amazing guests such as Jake on the podcast. You can also connect with me on social medias and yeah, till next time, seek gems. Peace.